Welcome to this very first episode of Theology for the Curious. And if you are tuning in, this being your very first time tuning into this, the very first episode, kudos to you, my friend. And it is so good to have you with us. What is Theology for the Curious? Well, it is a bunch of people just like you, just like me, who are interested in theology, God, faith, life, and all that kind of stuff, and who just want to talk about it. So every week you will hear me as the host, Pete Golding. You'll also hear the voices of Brian Turner, Donald Winter, Susan Heatley, Stuart Suggett, and Nigel Byrne, all friends of mine who, like me, are interested in God, life, faith, and theology, and just want to talk about it. So if you're a person who says, yeah, I'm not a I'm not a theologian, I'm not someone who reads a loads. You are right in the sweet spot where you need to be because this podcast is about discussing things. Some of stuff that you've heard for years maybe, some of it controversial, some of it you think, you know, I've never ever heard that before or I've never thought about that before. This is where it's going to happen, mate, right here in this podcast. So every week we're going to be taking a different subject and just opening it up. You ain't going to hear language that's going to go right up in the sky somewhere. We're just everyday people working through some really solid everyday scriptural truths and issues. And I know you're going to enjoy it. for the curious is ready to rock. Welcome to the very first episode of Theology for the Curious. My name is Pete Golding. I'm going to be the host for this podcast. We have a team of folk, about five of us all together, various points who will drop in and out over the coming weeks, really just throwing around just some subjects and thoughts uh, that the Bible mentions, some of them hard questions, some of them a little easier. But we thought as an introduction, it would be good for you just to uh, meet some of the team, uh, the ones here with us tonight in Susan and Brian, a little bit about them, and maybe just catch up with why they are interested in theology. So I'm going to jump over to Brian and just, uh, just say, Brian, why on earth would you be interested in theology? Well, first of all, uh, hi, Pete, and thanks for the invite to the podcast. Um, just before I answer that, a little bit about myself, a quick bio. Um, my name is Brian, and I'd say about 10 years ago, I became very interested in the study of God's Word through the Bible. It didn't make much sense to me. Um, read a lot of books by well-known scholars and theologians, the likes of N.T. Wright, C.S. Lewis, Tim Keller. And that got me really more interested in, in going a little bit deeper. And um, so I decided to do a, a part-time course in applied theology at a Bible college, which roughly lasted about two to three years of an evening course. So my reason was to get a little bit more knowledge about God, what his character was, and where his character was through the eyes and lens of the man called Jesus. And that's started me off on my journey, if I can say that, um, to get a little bit more, and to use the word enlightenment, within within Scripture. 
And that's often how it is, Brian, isn't it? You know, you, um, you, it just starts off with a question. It just starts off with a thought. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, your journey may be just that you know, I have a question. I have a thought. I have something that's been buzzing around in my mind. And oftentimes that's the very thing that kind of sends us on the journey. So, um, Susan, how did you get on this journey? Uh, hi, I'm Susan. Um, when I was at university, um, I got saved and there was a module what came up um, called Introduction to Christian Theology and I thought this sounds interesting so I went along and I learned a bit more about Christianity and with subjects like free will, um, creativity and trinity. So after that it was so good that I just wanted to carry on learning about theology and I read books and I just wanted to get more in depth about it. So there you have it. You've got some very ordinary people who are just interested in some very extraordinary truths. And uh, I thought really as an introduction, we should just maybe ask the question, why theology? And I ask that because I've probably met Christians, and I'm sure many of you have, who've said, you know, does it really matter about learning about all this stuff? Why don't we just simply love Jesus, go to church, you know, try our best and call it a day at that. But I think that theology is incredibly important. I mean, I, I think maybe, Brian, if someone was to ask you why take the time to study theology, what would be your gut response to them? Yeah, um, coming from my own perspective, uh, why study theology? Like my motivation, as I said a little bit earlier, was to find out who God is and what he is like. Like, theology is all a discussion about God, like faith-seeking understanding. Um, for me, getting to know God better, it's a bit like itching that scratch, just doesn't go away. And for me, it was a continuation of wanting to know, and as I said, to, to, to study theology a little bit more um, was a... Was a like opening the envelope more, a little bit more into who God was. And for me, why study it? It's different for different people. For me, it was to getting to know about God, not to get to just knowledge of something, of, of the Word of God, if it doesn't change you some way or motivate you or transform your heart. I think for me, that's where it started, knowledge. But then it led something differently where it opened or transformed my heart a little bit more. And and that's gone on. That has been a journey ever since. Yeah, and that that's a really good point, Brian, because Paul says about knowledge puffing up, if you read the old AV version, and the general meaning is that knowledge really doesn't do you any good if it's just knowledge. And it's interesting that, Brian, you've gone from kind of wanting to know but then it became a real-life experience, a development thing within your own behaviour, which, at the root of it, that is really what theology is all about. Uh, if someone said to you, Susan, what's the point of reading theology? I mean, why would you do it? What's kind of your gut reaction to that? Well, my gut reaction is basically um, I'm really interested in studying the Bible and understanding it more and how it applies to my life, and it's a way of getting to know Jesus better. And also I'm very fascinated in history and how it all fitted in with our lives today and how it fitted in with the times of the day and that. See, the interesting thing is theology itself is just a word that means teaching about God. Theo is a word for God. 
And lology is just another word for teaching of. And um, the reality is that when we study theology, it sounds very technical and highbrow, but the reality is it's just learning about God. So when people say to me, oh, what is the point of theology? What we miss is that we're already studying theology. Everybody does. We live it. We think it. We breathe it. And you might say, oh, no, 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 I don't, I don't get my head in a book studying theology and stuff or listening to certain other podcasts. But the reality is that your faith is an exercise in theology of learning about God. Your relationship with God is a, a, a kind of outworking of practical theology. The sermons that you hear are a way of stirring theological thinking. The, even the scriptures that you read in the morning or whenever These are inviting you to get a little theological about it. And in that sense, Karl Barth was a very, very well-known Swiss theologian. He died at the end of the 1960s, but his writings have continued to baffle as well as encourage folk. He always defined theology as a science, but it was a science that was seeking the knowledge of the word of God spoken in God's word, whereas people would study various other sciences and look towards the kind of sources for that. In very much the same way, Barth directed us towards scripture to look at it as a science, as something we kind of come to understand from the framework of God's word. Uh, And men like Charles Hodge, who I've read a great deal of, who was a 19th century theologian, uh, he was one time principal um, of, of Princeton Theological Seminary. Uh, he was another one who, uh, again, understood theology as a science that dealt with the facts of Scripture. Uh, and he always felt that just like a geologist would deal with the facts of rocks and a doctor with the facts of medicine, theologians deal with the facts of Bible. So anybody seeking to understand the Bible, hey, you're a, you're a budding theologian. You're trying to understand the, the facts of the Bible. I think, I think, is that a fair point, guys, as you would say? Definitely, yeah. yeah I, I'd like to think of it like this. God is the formal object of theology. Yeah. And to put it like as a microscope, God is not so much as what we're looking at underneath the microscope, as much as he is the sort of the lens through which God is at work in your life and you at work in his world. And it's an amazing thing how people are very quick to... Uh, imagine that a Christian is someone who blindly believes something because they need a crutch to lean on, they need something to comfort them in this difficult day and age and all these kind of things. And we forget that actually theology is a way of having an informed faith. And, And I think, again, this is something that the Bible encourages us to have. Uh, There's a scripture in Ephesians 4 where Paul Paul talks about the need for individual believers to mature into manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, he says in Ephesians 4, so that, and this is an interesting thing, so that we may no longer be children, and by that he means untaught, unskilled, childlike. Uh, He goes on to say, tossed to and fro, which is an interesting phrase in the Greek. It means mentally agitated by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine or teaching by human cunning or the craftiness and deceitful schemes, which is Ephesians 4.13. Interestingly enough, Paul talks about someone who doesn't really know what they believe to be a little on the childish, unskilled side that leads in turn to a bit of mental agitation. 
So although theology sounds a bit, oh, you know, it's too much like hard work, I just want to attend church and sack the rest, um, it's an appreciation that actually what you don't know can agitate you as much as what you do know. So the answer is, I'm going to ignore theology and therefore I'll be a whole lot better. You probably won't. You'll be just in a different sort of agitation. Um, Paul talks in 1 Timothy 1, 3. I think it comes in chapter 6, verse 3 as well. He says, I urge you when I was going to Macedonia, remain at Ephesus so that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrine. Uh, strange teaching is what he's implying or deviating from the truth. Now, there's got to be a baseline for stuff like that. You have to know truth. You have to embrace truth to know that you're deviating from it. And, and, and I think that, again, this was important to Paul. What we believed, what we said, what we held to was not just something that was, if it's good for you, that's fine. If it's not, then, you know, it doesn't really matter. Paul talks about a baseline of sound doctrine, and you, you get it in these kinds of scriptures we've mentioned. You get it in 1 Timothy 1.10. You get it in Titus 1.9. You get it in Romans 16.17. Sound doctrine, don't teach what's contrary to doctrine. So the idea comes through again and again, which I think, again, is a, is a fair point to say, you know, and something that we need to, to realize. Why would you think... I don't know, Brian, Susan, why would you think doctrine is important? Why is theology important? Oh, yeah, to, to me, to to look at doctrine, whatever, wherever that doctrine may be, the doctrine of sin um, is important to understand how we get to know where sin arrives from, what the Bible says about sin, and how sin has corrupted the nature and humanity that we're living in today. So it's fundamental that we try as Christians to get deeper to understand what Scripture is telling us and talking to us about. Not that it's blind faith, but I think at the end of the day, we have to, as Christians, not just look at things on the surface level, but to go deeper into the doctrine, wherever that doctrine may be, whether what systematic um, doctrine you look at within scripture itself whether that's on salvation whether it's on sin whether it's the doctrine of last days it's a f- fundamental understanding of where we see things and where god is working through the whole scripture of bible from start I agree. to finish by studying the doctrine and the word it helps us grow as christians because we can apply that to our life and see how christ would want us to do things and that will help us become more like christ See, the thing is, as well, you have to appreciate if if you ruled out doctrine, teaching, all these things we've just read that Paul mentions, you have to then think, what's the alternative? The alternative to ruling out doctrine is is to run by feelings. If you've no baseline that says God is like this, this is what Scripture says, then you are down to just assuming that my feelings, if if I feel loved, God must be loved. If I don't feel loved, maybe God isn't so loving. Our feelings begin to dictate who God is, which I think is always incredibly shaky. I know people would say, oh, you never really know if what you believe about the Bible is, is your firm foundation, because let's face it, there's different interpretations of the Bible. 
But I think there's rather less instability with that than there would be to say, I'm just going to let my feelings tell me what God is true and not true about God, because there is nothing so fickle as feelings, as they say. And uh, I think once we get into that territory, we're in massive trouble. Mm. I was just going to, in, sorry to interrupt, but um, basically you can't take into perspective that um, each author, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, they told their story from a different perspective. So it's not going to yeah. be exactly the same. No, and I think that's part of it, isn't it? They are all, they're all turning the prism and seeing different colours from different angles, but it's the same prism. It's not like, you know, oh, yeah, John had a different kind of Jesus and experience than Peter, and Peter met a different Jesus than Paul. You know, they all, they talk about the same Jesus, but it's multifaceted. And this is probably one of the fascinating things about doctrine, because there is probably no two Christians who would believe identically about the Bible, Jesus, God, church, even though they fundamentally do believe in Jesus, God, the Bible, and church, they would have a different appreciation or a different angle. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. It just means that it's a very different perspective, and it's only by exploring them. People used to talk about the great preponderance of Scripture, by which they mean whatever is most present in the Bible, whatever is most evident in the Bible, uh, is probably most likely the truth. So if it's, if it's in one verse, in one chapter of the Bible, as opposed to something else that is in multiple verses and many chapters, the chances are the multiple verse, many chapter bit is going to trump the one verse in the middle of nowhere, uh, because that's the way we often look at it in the Bible, isn't it? We see things in a broader context, you know. I have the question when we think about this, and actually I was thinking about this when we were contemplating this podcast. Does the Bible encourage us to be open-minded? Uh, I ask that because it's a huge issue today, because we are, we're almost in a place of saying that godliness is tolerance, godliness is being open-minded to others. But does the Bible encourage us to be open-minded? And is there a difference between open-mindedness and tolerance. That's got us thinking, hasn't it, eh? That's got us thinking. <laughs> that is a deep one, because I'm sure in today's culture would be, you have to be open-minded. Um, if you're not open-minded, you're not tolerant, and vice versa. So I think in today's culture, that's bringing in those terms, um, that we have to be open-minded of the way the world is, where scripture tells us completely different things. We have to ju align or juxtapose these things side by side, I, I believe. Um, so yeah, if, if, if scripture is telling us something, we cannot be true open-minded insofar as to, to let that open-mindedness to overlook what scripture is really telling us. See, in my early experiences of being a Christian in the denomination I was in, I remember a cute little saying that would often be thrown at me, that you can be so open-minded, your brains leak. <laughs> and I'm not quite sure whether that was uh, a biblical bit of advice or whether it was just that there was such a... Um, there was such a, a dominant sense of this is what we believe and actually this is 
the truth, capital T, and anything else is not. And I'm not quite sure whether open-mindedness is a, a, a kind of an insult to that, because I don't always think open-mindedness means I don't know what I believe, because some people do interpret it like that. They say if you're open-minded, it generally means you don't really know what you believe. Um, I don't think that's the case. I think you can be soundly convinced of certain things, but be open-hearted to those who may have a slightly different perspective. Yeah, yeah. I, I, sorry about that, Pete. I'll just jump across you there. Totally, I mean, Travis might read a bit of scripture tonight and come back with different conclusions. We all bring our presuppositions to the text um, from where we're coming from, and that basically formulates what the text is saying and uh, um, without letting the text speak to us. So open-minded insofar as and helping one another what we read in the text and how we understand it, I believe that's fine and that's fruitful um, for discussions within Christianity in itself. Yeah, yeah, because I, I think that if by open-mindedness I mean holding any firm, strong opinion is offensive or politically incorrect, I don't think the Bible supports that kind of open-mindedness, hence the encouragement we read before of having sound doctrine. But if by open-mindedness we mean more a sense of tolerance and need to avoid kind of ridiculing or too easily and nonchalantly dismissing the views and opinions of others, I think we might be getting somewhere nearer to what the Bible means, uh, you know, when it says about, kind of, or when we reflect on what it means to be open-minded. I don't believe conviction is ever a license for denouncing or belittling the convictions of others, however strong we believe something, you know. I don't think it's a bad thing to be open-minded because if we're like new to Christianity and we're looking into the, the, the Jesus and that, it's good because you um, encourage you to want to look into it and research it and then that will help with your growth as a Christian. And don't you think that the more soundly rooted you are in something the more maturely you can discuss that. You know, like when you try and talk to certain people and they can get very kind of demonstrative, very hot-headed, almost shouting and screaming because they don't agree. Oftentimes, I think, and I may not be right to say all the time, but oftentimes I think people who don't have a full conviction of what they really believe get the most irate when you talk to them. You know, like I'm thinking... Jesus was often challenged about the things he said, about the things he held to, about beliefs that they assumed he had. And you never see Jesus losing his rag, you know, and, and getting irate and, and thumping the table kind of thing. It was almost as if he knew what he knew. And that was the strength and the foundation from which he could conduct himself in a very mature way of dissecting stuff. And I think you see that in Paul and you see that in the apostles, uh, an ability to look at life and even look at very contrary truths because they are so soundly convinced. And I'm not sure whether Luther's exchanges with Sir Thomas More at the beginning of the Reformation, when they would, equivalent to today, effing and jeffing at each other and used the most gross language. It's just shocking stuff when you read it. Um was because both of them were kind of formulating very new ways of thinking about God, grace, Bible, 
the later writings uh, some of Luther's obviously reflected something far more substantial but maybe some of that the early part you get that principle coming through yeah, we you could know. argue the other point that some people are fixed minded because they want something out of it like Henry VIII wanted a divorce from Catherine O'Arrogant so he yes. he twisted basically he took the bits he wanted to take away to look into what yes. the true doctrine was to for his advantage yes that's right that's right so the New Testament I think uh, there are times when those who are closed minded or intolerant come through you know when Paul speaks about Christ crucified as being folly, he says in 1 Corinthians 1 23, to the to the Gentiles, it's a word that actually meant absurd or utterly unphilosophical nonsense. These are that's what the word actually means. And it was a distinct lack of tolerance for anything Paul was saying. And so you you get this expressed for the preaching of the cross, Paul said again in Corinthians, is foolishness to them that perish. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. There's a complete intolerance to even listen to it. And I think that that can't be what the Christian focuses on. There's got to be a tolerance for even the most ludicrous challenges, uh, but at the same time aware that God um, God is solid and there is behind all these words, incredible, valuable truths. Yeah, I think when you mentioned Corinth there, when Paul goes to Corinth, he's pragmatic. He doesn't start banging tables about going to a lot of the, the, the Greek and philosophies that were floating about of multiple gods. He says, let me tell you about this god. So one, he was pragmatic. He was open. He was in a new environment insofar as he was pushing the gospel out to a pantheist um, Greek nation um, with different philosophies that had multiple gods where he was pragmatic in himself. So he was open um, into um, evangelizing within that environment itself. So yeah, I think we all come with blind spots as long as we don't leave our brains at the door, I I think. (laughs) Um, so, so yeah, these are these are important things. This is why a podcast like this, Theology for the Curious, is just for, it's good to be curious. It's good to be inquisitive. The Bible is a world of treasure that you can spend your entire life and several lifetimes exploring and never exhaust. And that is why we're so excited, really, as we launch this podcast to just keep throwing in some real kind of questions and thoughts and actually just invite you to share the journey with us of questioning and figuring out because we are called to know what we believe. We're called to look at it, study it. We're not called to say we are right, everybody else is wrong, no questions asked, thank you very much. But we are called to just keep probing and keep asking and keep looking. And that's really the theme of this podcast and you'll soon and quickly realize that as we week in and week out deal with different topics Uh, but for now we hope you've enjoyed this little introduction into this theology into this podcast we're looking forward to your company and uh, we're going to encourage you just to check us out on the website check us out uh, on on email throw questions at us uh, as we kind of just continue to look at some rich and fabulous themes but for now thank you folks for listening we look forward to you joining us in our next episode at the beginning of a brand new series that we're going to launch (laughs) 